Welcome to the Speak Up Talk Radio Network, home of the Firebird Book Awards, the Positive Change Podcast Awards, and this podcast, Authors on Fire. I am Pat Rulo, and I am looking forward to today's guest, a Firebird Book Award winning author, Nick Adams, and his winning book is titled, Being the Dad You Wish You Had, Five Big Stones for Effective Fatherhood, and it won in the fatherhood and parenting and family categories. Nick is dedicated to helping men understand the power of living into their strengths and dreams, and he provides actionable tools for the journey to authentic manhood. Through his writing and speaking, Nick helps men develop a newfound sense of confidence, motivation, and a sense of purpose as they gain a deeper understanding of what it means to be a man. And that actually might take us all day to get through, but we're going to get started right now. Welcome to the network, Nick. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you today. (laughs) Such a pleasure to have you as well. And I do want to congratulate you on winning the Firebird Book Award. Thank you. That was quite an honor. I I am very appreciative of that recognition and and the honor that that is for, for me and for the book. Yes, I agree. I appreciate that. All right, my friend, we have obviously lots to talk about. Um, Let's begin with your first chapter, because that sets the stage. It is very chilling about your experience with your own father. And as I was reading it, I was just wondering, oh, my gosh, I wonder how this was for Nick to write. How was it for you to write? And did you feel that you had to get that out there to your audience? Well, I felt like it was something that the reader needed to know to be able to appreciate the things that I have to say, because uh, having had a fairly difficult childhood, and uh, probably my father would not have won any awards for fatherhood, um, I still was able to glean so many things from his life. And I think that's part of the message of my book for fathers is you don't have to be perfect to still have a positive impact. My father, the story that that you're relating there is that at one point my father appeared drunk at a at a parking lot and threatened to kill me and my mother and we had to escape, you know, in the back of a car and and then we hid from him for months and and yet with that kind of negative event at about a 12-year-old age, when I look back over my life, I can see so many positive things that are in my life because of my dad. And so, you know, I just felt like that story was so important for, for fathers to be able to go, okay, I'm not that bad, mm-hmm. you know, and if, and if he was able to, to make a positive impact on his son's life, wow, maybe I can too. You know, that that's kind of the point of the story. And it, it was difficult to write, and yet it was a little bit cathartic. Like it, it really, I was really glad that I was able to express it and get it on paper and, and tell that part of my story. Yeah, I was thinking it would be cathartic and obviously extremely necessary because of what you just said. Most parents, yeah, they make mistakes along the way, but nobody threatens to kill their wife and their child. Most of us aren't that bad. And yet though, well, oftentimes the relationships never get better and the child, say being you or us as grownups, many people don't have that ability to find anything good about that parent and say, oh, well, you know, that might have been rough, but here's what I got out of them. How were you able to do that? I do believe most of us can find positives in every experience that we have, even the really horrible things that happen in life. There's, there's 
still positives that we can find if we are able to turn our brain the right direction. And in our relationships, especially with relationships like parents, whether it's fathers, mothers, even siblings, you know, there can be some really hard and negative events. And yet, because we're living in close proximity, and because we're interacting on a regular basis, we're able to see positive traits in those people's lives. Like one of the positive traits in my dad's life is that in today's verbiage vernacular, we would call him a minimalist. Um, he just wasn't into things, and he had a very simple lifestyle. And when I look at my life, I, I don't have anything near the simplicity that he had in his life. But I have the ability to treasure the simple. I have the ability to to go to a park and just sit and look at a lake and and really get deep meaning out of it. And and I I credit that to my father's non materialistic. He wasn't success driven. He was very simple. And and in today's language, he would be a minimalist. And 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 a lot of those characteristics that I value in my life are an outworking of that. See, and that's why you and your book are such an inspiration that you can pull these positives out of situations and experiences that are negative. And that just gives everybody hope that they can reach in and find those little nuggets of goodness and, and apply it to their daily life. I love that you told that story. So would you say it was the relationship with your father that makes you a champion of dads today? Um, not, I don't think so. Okay. I think uh, I have, through the years, done a variety of things, uh, kind of an entrepreneur. I've led uh, two or three nonprofit organizations. I've uh, owned uh, three different companies. Um, and, and in those environments, especially in the companies, they are con- construction-related industries. And I find myself working with men predominantly, and often I would hear myself saying, "They were raised by wolves. They're, 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 they're. He's an okay guy. He's a pretty hard worker. He was just raised by wolves. <laughs> and what I always mean by that is that he has no idea how to interact with life. Mm-hmm. He, he wasn't given the tools to." be able to become the person he could be because he didn't have a father or he didn't have a good relationship with his mother or just that that whole child rearing thing just didn't happen. And so I've said that for years, you know, and and had really pondered as an employer, how can I help people who who missed a whole lot of just basic life skills. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've pondered that and worked on it and failed most of the time, but at least I kept trying. And then one night we were sitting around the dining room table and this particular phase of our parenting journey, we were reading um, conversation starters. And every night at dinner, we would just read a conversation starter and then we'd all talk. And this particular night, my oldest son read the conversation starter, and it was, if you could change one thing in the world, what would it be? And like lightning, I knew the one thing in the world I would change is I would make effective fathers. Because if I could create effective fathers, I could change the world. And that was the genesis of the book. Mm. Wow. That's so wild, actually, that you heard that question and and it, it resonated with you and you knew what your next steps were going to be. 
Yeah, it it was a very powerful moment for me, and, and it was it's funny because you know a lot of times conversation starters are just kind of rambly, whatever kind right. of stuff. But I mean, this just it resonated, and I knew this is really what I would do. And then I thought, and I I could do that. Mm-hmm. I could do something. I can't change the you know I can't change every father in the world. But I could do something that would help fathers. Mm-hmm. And so that, that became the genesis for this book. Did you know then that it was going to be in a book form, or did you just have that idea that morphed into a book? No, I knew at that point that it was going to be okay. a book. Okay. All right. A question about the title. So uh, the title is Being the Dad You Wish You Had, Five Big Stones for Effective Fatherhood. Why stones? Great question. Um I'm taking an analogy that I had first heard from Stephen Covey, and he used it as related to time management. And uh, I'll give you just a real quick version of the story. It's in the book, and you may already know it from, from Covey's work. But he tells the story of a professor who comes into his college class one day, and he sets up uh, a uh, a bucket, and he starts pulling big stones out from under his desk and putting them in this bucket. And when the bucket is full, he says to the to his class, is the bucket full? And they're all like, yeah, it's full. And then he pulls out a bucket that's got small stones in it, and he starts pouring these small stones in on top of the big stones. And of course, they settle down in around the big stones, and he's able to pour a lot more stones in. And then he says to the class, is the bucket full? And they're kind of on to him by then, and they're like, probably not. <laughs> he reaches under the desk, and he pulls out a, a bucket of sand, and he begins to pour sand into the bucket. And, you know, same thing is the bucket full and they're like no and he reaches under the buck under the table and and pulls out a bucket of water and he pours water into the bucket and when the water reaches the top he says to the class is the bucket full and they're like probably you know <laughs> yes. and so kind of uses that to say if you put water in first and then you try to put big stones in, you displace water, it pours out all over your table. But if you put the big things in first, if you put the things in that matter first, as far as time management, then you have time for other things to fit in around it. I'm using that same concept for for fatherhood. There's a whole lot of things you can focus on in fatherhood. And, you know, I... I'm not really the smartest guy around and not the sharpest knife in the drawer. And so when, when people do like, you know, here's 101 things to, to being a powerful dad, I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> I just I, I just can't. I'm, I'm lost. I can't do that. I, or even if it's 20 things, I can't remember 20 things. And so kind of the point of the book is really there's some things that they're the big things. And if you get them in your bucket – you're going to be okay as a dad. You may not get all of it in. You may not get all the little stuff that you want or that you think is important or that somebody told you is good. But if you get the big rocks, your fatherhood will be effective. Thank you for sharing that story. Let's talk about those five big stones. Um, Maybe just very lightly touch on each one so our uh, listeners have an idea of what to expect when they pick up your book. Sure. Um, the first is the power of being, and kind of the concept with this big stone is to help dads realize how influential and important they are. 
I think, you know, sometimes in culture you, you kind of lose track of how much impact you're able to have as a father. And, and so that first section is just about acknowledging that you have power. And whether you use it for good or whether you kind of ignore it or whether you really make some bad choices, you still have power. And what you're doing is going to make a difference in your child's life, positively and negatively. And so it's to help a father just kind of acknowledge that and then to really work on, because somebody in another interview, somebody said, now, when you say being, are you talking about just living or are you talking about being present? And I'm like, yes, I'm talking about both of those (laughs) because whether you choose to be present or not, you still have an impact. And if you choose to be present with your children, then you have a even deeper and more positive impact. And so the first big stone is just acknowledging your power and then encouraging dads to actively be present with their children. All right. And that's not always easy with two parent families working and juggling all the things that they do. So that's quite a feat in and of itself. I think so. I think it, I think it is make the time. And, you know, I think sometimes we make that more difficult than it has to be because, you know, for me, one of the things that I really tried to focus on when my children were younger is if I was in the car with them, I was with them. I wasn't listening to the radio. I wasn't engaging in a podcast or, you know, I really was with them and trying to talk to them about their day. And, you know, now my older children are are grown and out of the house and I've got two boys that are in middle school. And when I take them to school in the morning, I think about what are the things that boys need to know to grow into healthy men. And every day I try to talk to them about just one of those Mm -hmm. and just, just be present or just to let them talk to me, you know, about the things they're experiencing or the things they're concerned about. And so I'm not making a special time. I have to take them to school anyway. Right. <laughs> I'm just using the time I have. And, and I think sometimes because we make that be a really big deal, that we miss the small moments of just, oh, we're in the kitchen together. Yeah. I could just put my hand on my son's shoulder and look in his eyes. That that is being present and being a you know and a powerful presence in his life. Wow, yeah, it's huge. We have to we're spending time anyway. Let's make those moments count. And and I think when yeah. children look back, those are the ones that are are the ones that stand out. It's not the big trip to Disney World. It's that little touch on the shoulder or a glance or a look or a word. So simple. I, I really think it is. I think, you know, the other things are important, too. Sure. But, but, you know, back to the big stones, right. the big thing is just when you are with them to really be with them. Right. And and that doesn't mean you're not doing other things. It doesn't mean you're not engaged in other things. It just means that they know that they have your attention. At one point as I was writing this book, I was sitting in a, kind of an oversized chair in the living room when I was working on the book, and my son was playing a video game, and he just came and sat beside of me. And, and you know, like we didn't both sit in the chair, and I had to crunch over him. My computer barely fit on my lap. 
but we were together. And that that's the kind of moments. And he initiated that one. Mm-hmm. But I think it's because he knows that no matter what I'm doing, he can be a part. Oh, wow. That is touching. Yeah, that is so beautiful. And what a gift to both of you. It was. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. Thank you. All right. Another stone you want to touch on? Uh, yeah. Big stone number two is model the way. And kind of the idea here is that as dads, we need to be intentional. And and I think a lot of, of what you would find in this book, I'm not trying to tell you what to do or what your fatherhood should look like. I'm trying to help you think about being intentional. And what do you want your child to experience as you live life? And so in Model the Way, we're talking about the fact that a, a, a dad is a teacher, and he's a person who's going to help establish values for the family. And there's a chapter in here that, that it has a whole lot of values listed out at the end of it that you can go through and kind of, okay, what do we want? You know, I suggest you sit down with your spouse and say, you know, what is it that we want? the values of our home to be and and to pick you know somewhere between 5 and 7 because again you can't have 40 values and be able to really effectively pass them on to your children but if you pick four to seven things that are important to you as a family and then you model that and you live that and you demonstrate it and 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 when you fail you go back and say you know what one of the things that's really important to me and our family is that we be brave and and I wasn't very brave in that situation because I should have told you know you what I really thought or I should have said to this person the truth that I was experiencing instead of just kind of covering over. And so it's just deciding what those values are and then living them in front of your kids. And and so that's that's an ability to model the way. And one of my favorite chapters in that section is it's titled, That is the Reflection Tool. And the idea is that when, when our kids look at, see us and interact with us, we should reflect back to them who they are and the value that they have. And, you know, with one of my sons, he is, he's a very sensitive, uh, intuitive people person. And it's really amazing to watch his ability to interact with people and to, to know how to engage as a little guy. Like I'm talking preschool. He was able to do this stuff. And, and so, one of the things I try to do is reflect back to him the value of that because he's sensitive, which isn't always when you're a teenage boy, that's maybe not the most positive thing someone could say about you. Oh, he's sensitive. (laughs) You might not choose that as the thing that people recognize you for, but I try to help him realize how positive that sensitivity is and how intuitive it makes him and what great relationships he's going to have because of it. And, and so I'm a reflective, you know, a reflection pool for him. And, And in all of that stuff, I'm helping model it's okay to be who you are. It's okay to have different values from other people. That doesn't make them wrong or you right or better. It's These are our values as a family. This is who you are as a person, and, and it's a good thing, and so you're modeling the way. Right, and that they feel comfortable to stand up for those intentional values that they were brought up with. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right, big stone number three. 
Big number, big stone number three is one that I often get asked about. Um, it's be lovable. And, um, you know, people are like, well, what do you mean by that? And, and it, it, in our world, it seems that if you talk about moms, you think about love. You think about all oh, compassion and love and interaction and, you know, just all the those nice, warm, feely things that make a family a home. And when you think about dad, you often think, you know, a little more structured, a little more rigid, maybe the disciplinarian, maybe the one who's a little gruffer with stuff. And, and you know dad loves you, but he's – it's just not that warm, cozy – <laughs> mom feeling. And and so really the point here is that not to make men women, that is never my goal, but to help them be able to go, you know what, I probably don't do as well at expressing my emotion as my wife does or as my partner does. And so what do I need to do to be more lovable? If I am the disciplinarian, in the home, which isn't always the case, but sometimes is, then what do I have to do to offset that? And and the real goal to me, the goal of parenting is to win your kids' hearts and to have relationship with them long term. And so what do I have to do to make sure I win their hearts? How do I have to express my love, express my affection, my support? How do I have to engage that they're able to talk to me? Just uh, two nights ago, my son and I were driving home from an event, and he said, Dad, I've, I've got something I need to tell you. And I could tell he was really, you know, he was really anxious about it. And, and, and so I, you know, I had tried to really focus with him. And, and then he said, you know, I've been needing to tell you this for six weeks. And he went into this little story of, of stuff that he needed to say. And I'm like, well, man, that's, that's awesome. He's like, I just wasn't sure how you would feel about it. And I didn't know how you would respond. And, and so it was, it was great for both of us because it was a bonding moment. I was able to be supportive because, you know, often in our kids' world, the thing that they're experiencing is really, really big. Mm -hmm. But it's something we've experienced multiple times in different ways and various, you know, avenues. And so to be able just to support him and say, you know, dude, that is really a big thing. And I, I understand why that might have been hard to say, and I'm so glad that you did. And, and so I'm building relationship. And then by the time, you know, we got home, we sat in the car and talked some more. And I just said, you know, I want you to know you can always talk to me. And and I promise you, 99% of the time, if you do what you did tonight and say, I've got something really important I need to say, I'm going to have a good response because you've given me time to prep. (laughs) If you just drop it on me, I might not have such a great response. But if you do what you did tonight, man, I'm I'm going to have a real high success rate of just listening to you and and trying to be supportive. And even if I disagree, that's not going to be the end of the world. I'll be able to do it in a way that we can actually have a conversation because of the way you've prepped it. And so, you know, my goal – 
is to win my kids' hearts. And and I think part of that is is listening and trying to affirm that you will listen and that you, you know, I, one of the things I've said to all the kids is if you get in a situation and, and you know you shouldn't be there, and maybe it involves alcohol, maybe it involves drugs, whatever it is, and you realize you're in over your head, all you ever have to do is call me and tell me you need me to come pick you up. I won't ask you anything about it. I won't follow up on it. I will know that you were smart enough to get yourself out of a bad situation, and that builds trust. You know, and so just to to, to work on ways to say, I'm here. Mm-hmm. I'm not always going to be coming down on you, judging you, critiquing you. I want us to have relationship, and I want that relationship to go long term. Oh, stone number three is very beautiful. <laughs> a good one it's one of it's one of my favorites (laughs) well it's real it's it brings all the humanness out and all the the mushy goodness from people so i i get that so folks listening you understand you need to read this book Uh, let's touch on stone four and five all right stone four is to create the foundation for self-worth in your kids and you know i'm a big proponent of really helping kids understand their value and their worth and for that to be real things like i'm not big on fake awards you know and you've got 10 people playing a game and all 10 of them get an award because then really nobody got an award and everybody (laughs) it really minimizes it and so i I, but i do believe in helping kids have true self-worth and seeing the things that they are really good at or or where they're, you know, sometimes my self-worth doesn't always come from things I'm good at. Sometimes it comes from things I just try hard at. And and I can feel good about myself that, you know, I tried really hard. That, that was a disaster, but I sure tried hard. You know, I put good effort into it. I brought resources. I did, I did what I knew to do. And so I can feel good about myself because of that. And so the fourth big stone is to help creating your kids that sense of, of self-worth that um, that they are competent people. And part of that is instilling discipline into them. And in this section, I talk about, you know, the, why we discipline our children. It's, it's not just to correct behavior. It's to help them learn to self-discipline. Because if you can self-discipline, then you can respect yourself. And if you can respect yourself, then you have that sense of self-worth, you know. And so um, helping kids learn how to, to be self-disciplined and then, you know, helping them to to be determined and to take things, you know, all the way through that they start to complete what they start. All those are foundational for self-worth. And so um, try to spend, you know, this, these three chapters, I try just to spend time about helping dads think about how can I instill self-worth or what are the things I do that, that diminish my kids. And, you know, one of my mercy, I, I don't know, I don't really know who said this to me, but it's been a guiding principle for, for working with my kids since I heard it. And that was, we need to respond to them in the same way, the same amount of energy that they are coming to us. And so kind of what it means is if if your child is running towards you when you come home from work and they've got a baby doll on their hand and they're like, Dad, look at my doll. You know, let's be honest, a doll is not going to be very exciting to any adult man. But 
I need to to be able to show that child that they're valuable and the things that are important to them are valuable. I need to model or reflect back to them that same kind of energy. And so it's like, oh, my goodness, look at that. That is great. It's eyes open and closing. And just to, to have energy with them that, that mirrors the energy that they're coming with. If they're, if they're bringing, I think... I think of this one a lot because I've I've tell a story in the book of where I did not do a good job of this with my youngest son who is really quite the artist. He uh he he loves to draw and he's very good at drawing. And and he'll bring you a drawing and they're not all good. <laughs> a lot of them are really like are exceptional and you're just like, "Where in the world? How did he where did that come from?" And other times it's like, "Oh, yeah, that's Kind of what you were doing seven years ago. <laughs> Not much progress in the past, you know. And, and so, but but when he comes, he's got you know. Look at what I've drawn, and 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 it's important for me. Although this happens maybe multiple times in a day, to be able to go, oh wow, look at that. That is great. Look at that detail on those eyes. Look how much emphasis you've put over here on this this piece of clothes and the wrinkles that you've got in there. And, you know, just to to bring the same amount of energy. And so as you do that, you're creating that sense of worth in your kids, that the things they value are worth valuing. The things that excite them are exciting to the most important people in their life, their mom and their dad. And and so that's big stone number four. And then big stone number five is to create an atmosphere of unconditional love and support. And, you know, the idea there is that as dad, I'm always going to try to call my kids to their very best, and I'm going to try to encourage them, and I'm going to try to to give them the tools that that I can provide for them to succeed and to uh, flourish in life and in the world, and and to support that. But at the same time, they've got to know that no matter what happens, they are unconditionally loved and supported. And, you know, probably one of the phrases that my kids hear to the point that they would like to not hear it anymore, because <laughs> probably every other day I will say this to them, I will always love you. I may not always like you, and I might not always be happy with you, but I will always love you. There will never be anything. And and I usually will make them say to them, to me, what can you ever do that dad won't love you? Nothing. (laughs) Exactly. There's nothing you will ever do that I won't love you. And so, you know, I try to to just really, I, I, I mean, it's probably every other day that, that they will hear that from me because I want that to be really solid. And anytime I, my my younger son has some developmental issues, and um, anytime he gets in trouble at school, that's one of the first things I'll say to him. I, I, this this year, this book came out this year, and this year I've been in the principal's office probably more times than my entire <laughs> life put together because this particular son has moved into middle school, and it's been very dysregulating for him and very difficult transition. And uh, and every time I go pick him up from the principal's office, I'll say to him, do I love you? Absolutely. Is there ever anything you could do that I won't love you? No. Am I happy with what you've done today? No. <laughs> but I love you. And so just that kids can live their life knowing that their dad 
is always for them, always loves them, will always support them, and support their choices, even if they don't do what I particularly think is best for them. I'll still support them. You are a beautiful dad and a beautiful human, and I'm so happy to have this opportunity to touch on these five stones. I, I don't normally go, you know, kind of chapter by chapter, but I wanted to because I knew there was connected stories to each one, and that kind of brings each one of your um, five ideas to life. So thank you for indulging me with, with that. All righty. So I want to make sure as we begin to wrap up that we're not missing anything specific that you wanted to bring up. You know, I, I really don't think so. I think there's so – well, yes, one more thing that I think is if you read this book and you didn't walk away with this, I would be so disappointed. And and that is that this is not about perfection. Mm-hmm. It's about progress. Mm-hmm. And, you know, none of us will ever do this right. I I mess fatherhood up all the time. And one of the things I said to my um, my older kids, and I say to the younger ones now too, but I especially used to say it to the older kids is, you know what, I'm not saving for your college education. I'm saving for your therapy. Because you're just going to need therapy because you you don't get out of a family without having some issues. And and I say to them, you know, if if I did everything right, if I was perfect and I never made a mistake, then I would cripple you because you'll live in a world full of people who aren't perfect. And if you don't learn how to deal with imperfect people, then then you'll never be able to succeed in life. And so if I make mistakes, that's going to be bad for you. And if I don't make mistakes, that's going to be bad for you. You just can't get out of being a child without having some stuff you've got to deal with. That's part of life. And so I think as dads, just to be able to sink into that and go, you know what? I'm going to be effective and powerful in my kids' lives just because I'm trying and I'm, I won't do it all right. And, and the best thing I can do when I mess up is just to acknowledge it. I can't tell you how many times I've said to my kids, wow, I really didn't handle that situation very well. Wish I had done that differently. Wish I had said something different. Wish I had controlled my emotions better. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? And I think as we model that for our kids that we're not perfect, but we're trying to grow, then we set them up to be truly effective humans and we don't live under this horrible pressure and burden of trying to be perfect because perfect isn't something we're going to attain. It's perfect. It's progress, not perfection. Wow. That's huge. That's huge for a child to see a parent admit that, Hey, I didn't handle that well. And then to ask, Hey, could you forgive me for that? And you know, here's how I should have done it. It's just a growing experience for everybody, you know, not just the child, but especially for you as, as the parent. Thank you. You are awesome. I was thinking as you were talking, we might want to rent you out. <laughs> have a rent-a-dad. How's that? There you go. There you go. I'd, you'd probably return me and try to get your money back. <laughs> probably not. All right, my friend, if you would share any and all contact information where folks can find you, find out more, and get copies of your book. Sure. Uh, you can get the book at Amazon. Just search Being the Dad You Wish You Had. And then you can contact me at info at being-dad.com and you can find the landing page for the book at beingdad.com. All right, excellent. So we are talking with Nick Adams, Firebird Book Award winner, 
The book is titled Being the Dad You Wish You Had, and we were blessed with the opportunity to talk about the five big stones for effective fatherhood. Nick, you are an inspiration and, and something to, uh, to aspire to because you took the time to work through this and now share it with us. And I am so appreciative of it, and I hope you do more work on this and keep sharing with us. So thank you and love to your children, too. Thank you so much. It was great to be with you and to be with your listeners today. And I just consider it a privilege and an honor. Thank you.